On today's episode of Power of the Towel, we talk about all things trade deadline involving the Vancouver Canucks. Of course, the big news of the day, the Jacob Markstrom industry. What does that mean for Thatcher Demko? We also quickly discuss what other moves the Pacific teams did at the trade deadline. And of course, at our end, the usual recurring segments. And our guest this week is Sean Warren of the Area 51 podcast. Should be a good one. You'll be saying wow every time you use this towel. He's not a person at all. He's a towel. You're a towel. But in Vancouver, mainly it's all about towel power. Are you ready? How is it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Power of the Towel. I'm your host, Nick Bondi. Before you listen to any more of this episode, make sure to subscribe to the Next Misconduct Network. Not only do you get this show, you get Silky and Filthy, Puck Talk and Bullshit. Comes out every, every Wednesday usually. The Quickie, a daily hockey show with the best takes from Canucks Twitter Top 64 entrant, Trevor Beggs. And, of course, Sip It On A 40, new episode out where myself and Kyle Bowen discussed the Vancouver Canucks and the trade deadline. All that for one subscription to the network. I'm your host, Nick Bondi. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Nick Bondi. Follow the account as well at Power of the Towel. And today was trade deadline day. I didn't really watch much of the actual live coverage. I was, you know, busy at work. But, you know, it gives you a different perspective, an interesting perspective when you're just kind of slowly following it on Twitter, just constantly refreshing your feed. And the big story of the day in, in in general, in the Pacific Division was not even a trade made. It was an announcement by the Vancouver Canucks that Jacob Markstrom is out with a meniscus injury. That's what we're reporting, a meniscus injury. Now, a little Dr. Bondi uh, talk right here. Uh, I was talking to a co-worker who suffered a meniscus injury. She uh, she played basketball uh, at the college level, and essentially the, the verdict is if it's not that serious, it maybe takes a month to recover, but if it's super serious... If it's a really bad meniscus injury, then maybe maybe two months even. Now I kind of glaze over the fact when she was talking about like what exactly a meniscus is. It's part of the knee. That's that's really all I got. But yeah, one one to two months. That's what it's sounding like. A little Doctor Bondy talk for everyone. Yeah, that's probably the biggest news of the day for the Canucks. Is not even a trade they made. It's an announcement. Yeah, Markstrom's Markstrom's going to be out for a while, for a while now and. What does this mean? I guess the immediate conclusion everyone came to is, what does this mean for Thatcher Demko? And he hasn't really been playing much recently. And hey, maybe, maybe that's what happened with uh, with the injury. Is that you know it it is an overuse injury. That's what I was that's what I was told today. Is a uh, you know meniscus is an overuse injury. Maybe because you know Travis Green really wants to really wants to make the playoffs, and I think he needs to make the playoffs here. The whole management needs to make the playoffs. Maybe this is a bit of an overuse injury. You know, they maybe they should have given Demko a couple more starts. But hey, Demko's going to get a lot more starts down the stretch. Uh, as of right now, the Canucks, according to uh, Dom, I'm not even going to pronounce his last names. You uh, daily predictions for the Athletic. This guy, if you're a subscriber to the Athletic, check this stuff out. He, uh, I read this. Uh, I look at this stuff every day. He predicts, you know, how many points this uh, 
teams are going to finish. He even gives like you know odds for the playoffs and you know, round two, round three, even Stanley Cup. The Canucks right now are sitting at eighty three percent chance to make the playoffs. Right, right above them are the Oilers with eighty seven, and uh, Vegas has a ninety eight percent chance to make the playoffs. Now the Canucks have three games in hand against Vegas, and this is a like I said, like Demko's got a. If you're a professional athlete like Thatcher Demko, you relish opportunities like this. You relish chances to be able to prove that you can be, you know, the guy that the team can rely on. He's got a chance here to, you know, prove that, hey, maybe the Canucks should move away from Jacob Markstrom. I've always said that the Canucks may not have a choice in moving away from Markstrom just because of the, some of the other odorous contracts uh, the Canucks have. But you look at their schedule coming up. They should beat Montreal and Ottawa. They're playing Montreal at the time of recording. So at the time of this release, sorry. It's going to be tonight. They're playing Montreal tonight. Ottawa next. That's four points. If you want to be a playoff team, that's four points. Montreal and Ottawa have, have offloaded a bunch of their pieces. Montreal, not so much. But they did, you know, offload a guy like Kovalchuk. Ottawa sold a bunch of guys. They got rid of, obviously, the big one is Pajot. who's one of their main scorers. That's four points right there. If you want to be a serious playoff team, that's four points that you need to have. And I guess we'll we'll see these next two games, what happens if it is Demko's fault, if he, you know, falters a bit and costs the team points. But yeah, Thatcher Demko. It's going to be interesting to see because there's been, there's been like Trevor Beggs, who uh, hosts, of course, Silky and Filthy in the Quickie. He's, he said, he's on the record as saying, hey, maybe the Canucks should just roll with Thatcher Demko. Well, he's going to get, he's, you know, Thatcher Demko is going to prove, I think, during the stretch, once and for all, if he can be a starting caliber goaltender in the NHL. If he does, then he's got a pretty good ch- chance, I say, to be the starter for the Canucks next season. I'm, I'm, I'm serious. But if not, I think he might be on the uh, on the Seattle Kraken or whatever they decide to, decide to call the team. But yeah, the, 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 none, of these, none of these trades that have been rumored really happened for the Canucks. Didn't go out, get Wayne Simmons. Although he did go to Buffalo for some reason. I don't know why the Sabres are giving up assets for Wayne Simmons when they're clearly not making the playoffs. Didn't get Tyson Berry. I think the I think the Leafs wanted too much and the Canucks didn't really want to part with or really had the cap room to to get a Barry on. I didn't see the fit with Barry anyways. Like you have Quinn Hughes power play one quarterback in that. Do you really need Tyson Berry? Like Tyson giving up big assets for Tyson Berry to like solidify your second power play unit is what you do when you're like a Tampa Bay, Boston, Washington level of contender where you know you got a really good chance of making a deep run and you need just some awesome depth. Canucks obviously weren't at that level, so hey, good on Jim Benning for showing some straight even though he was kind of forced into, <laughs> for forced into showing that restraint. The Canucks made one trade that kind of came out of the blue. They traded for Louis Domingue. And uh, when this trade came over to it, everyone's just like, oh, man, maybe they're trading Markstrom. They're not, they were never trading Markstrom, guys. I, my thought was like, oh, man, is Markstrom out long-term? Because that's what that screams to me. Louis Domingue's one of those, you know, career backups at this point. You know you can put him in a game. He's not going to absolutely fuck it up. May not win it for you. But you know, you know, he's not going to, yeah, absolutely shit the bed for the most part. And what I 
and being encouraged about the Louis Domingue thing is that Ian Clark apparently really wanted Louis Domingue. And of course, Ian Clark's kind of like the goalie whisperer for the Canucks. He's helped develop so many great goalies. Like, look about, think about Corey Schneider, obviously Markstrom. He's hopefully done the same with Demko, maybe even a guy like DiPietro I know who's kind of worked with him. Ian Clark, man. He really wanted Louis Domingue, which is cool to see. And encouraging. Sorry, my apologies. Ian Clark just recently joined, but he did work with the Canucks with uh, with Corey Schneider. I don't know who I was thinking of, the goalie coach for Markstrom. Anyways, you know, there's been some other moves across the uh, the NHL for trade deadline. Oilers gave up uh, two second-round picks for Andreas Athanasiu, 30-goal scorer. That should have helped with... Uh, with alignment for David, that's what everyone's talking about on, on online is people just saying, oh, well, you know, he's, spe- he's speedy. He's got a, he's really good scared. He's obviously going to play McDavid. Do not underestimate the Edmonton Oilers and the way they can fuck this up with Dave Tippett. Man, he's going to be playing on a probably fucking checking line with Riley Sheehan. Also got Tyler Ennis and, um, oh, yeah, 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 Mark, Mike, Mike Green. Man, so Ken Holland just went back to the old Red Wings well. Got two guys he knows really well. I would have thought Detroit could have gone more for Athanasiu. He is a 30-goal scorer after all. You see guys like Barkley Goodrow getting a first-round pick. Like, what? But uh, that's the problem when, when you're Detroit and you're, like, historically bad. It's like, no one's trade value has increased in Detroit this year. Even though I think Athanasiu is, like, pretty well-regarded. Like, it's impossible if you're a guy like Eisman to, for any people to gain value. At best, they're going to stay the same, which is maybe what happened with Athanasiu. They just got Robin Lehner. They got Alec Martinez. I mean, they're, what, officially four points ahead of the Canucks, but again, the Canucks do have three games ahead. This is why those two games against Montreal and Ottawa are so important. It's because you get the 76 points with just, if you can tie them with a game in hand, ball's in your court, man. And who knows, like, I haven't, I haven't looked at Edmonton's or Vegas schedules, but, yeah, those two, the, I'm, 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 I'm going back to it. Like, these two games against Montreal are just so key. And it feels like, it's honestly nice as a Canucks fan to look back and say, oh, man, these two games are key. Like, when was the last time we had to say regular season games are key? Last few years, I've been just hoping they lose. Wild, wild. One player I was happy that didn't get traded was Troy Stetcher. A lot of rumors around him with Tyson Berry, but I think Troy Stetcher is like a good guy to keep around. I would 100% keep him over Tanev if we're looking to the offseason now. You can get him cost-controlled. He's a bit younger, and I think he's pretty underrated. So let's keep Troy Stetcher ahead of Chris Tanev for sure. For sure. I can see him, you know, walking away with Chris Tanev just because they have a guy like Brogan Rafferty lined up. At least that's how I think Jim Benning's thinking right now. Is the fact that he thinks he has a lot of defensive depth in the NHL. And he can, in the NHL, sorry, and he can walk, let a guy like Tanev walk. I'm not, uh, who knows if a Rafty will succeed in the NHL, but that's at least what Jim Benning's thinking right now. Again, as of right now, the Vancouver Canucks would play the Edmonton Oilers in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Better, it's still uh, you know going up against McDavid and Drysdale for potentially seven games. Still, still very frightening. But I would rather play the Oilers 
than than Vegas. I think I think if the Canucks play Vegas first round, Vegas wins in like five games, especially if they have home ice advantage. That's just a team the Canucks have not been able to beat since they've come to the league, right? Real, real tough, real tough out for the Canucks for for whatever reason. Maybe they just have to, you know, when they when they go in Vegas, maybe they just have to completely lock them down in their hotels. Just make them just all, you know what they, you know what they do? Team bonding in Vegas. Get one of those giant suites, just order room service, and just hang out there. Why do you need to go? Why do you need to get distracted in the casinos and the clubs? Just, just enjoy each other's company in a nice suite. Maybe have a few beers. But no need, no need. You, you can just gamble from your phone now. Why do you got to go to the casino for? Just do it from your room. What's the difference? That's what I do. Maybe don't get the same rush. But if I'm the Canucks, man, I do not want to play Vegas in the opening round of the Stanley Cup Finals. If the Canucks make the playoffs. Like, obviously, according to the Athletic and Dom, they have 83% chance. Still pretty good. But, man, like, it's looking tough. Like, Arizona and Calgary are just right behind them. Arizona is looking tough. They have played four more games and have... Two less points than the Canucks. Calgary has played 63 games and has 70 points. So the Canucks are in the driver's seat just because they have a bunch of games that they still have to play. But it only counts if you win them. So they have to, again, those two games against Montreal and Ottawa are huge. And then they got to go play the Leafs and then Columbus. Which, hey, are there going to be two tough games? They're going to be two very tough games. Just because the Leafs are battling for the playoffs as well. And hey, no one thought, absolutely no one thought Columbus would be in the mix that they're in. But they're on pace for 92 points. And they're looking, you know, they're they're playing for a playoff spot as well. So we teased it at the beginning of the show. Our guest this week is the host of the Area 51 podcast, Sean Warren. Just a minute, don't hang up. Yellow, you'll have to speak up. I'm wearing a towel. Okay, so we now welcome on Power of the Towel. You know him from his Area 51 podcast. It's Sean Warren. Sean, how's it going, man? It's going great. Thanks for having me on today. No, no problem. So, how's uh, how's Kamloops this uh, this time of year? Today was kind of crazy. It, it snowed a lot, and it then it melted. In a, it did, and then it melted in probably. 30 minutes. Wow. Okay. <laughs> it was like a full blizzard and then it all melted away. Okay, and, and See, I've only been within to like, an hour. I've only been to like Kamloops, Kelowna, those areas like during the summer. Like I've never experienced like a winter there. Oh, that's the best time to come anyways. Cause then it's, it's really hot. Uh, lots of more things to do. Uh, during the winter, it's kind of weird. It's depending on what part of town you're in, you, you experience more winter. Okay. Uh, and then it's pretty sloppy otherwise. Okay. Interesting. I'm learning yeah. a lot about the, uh, Kelowna climate, or sorry, Kamloops climate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what what what's there to do in, in Kamloops in the summer? Like, what's the big what's the big spot? Uh, for me, I'm a I'm a brewery guy. I like oh, to okay. kind of just check out all those spots. And Kamloops has quite a quite a variety now of uh, these independent microbreweries, which are pretty cool. And then uh, we've got the the twin rivers that run right through Kamloops, so the parks are beautiful right along. Uh, the waterfront there. And uh, other than that, I mean, lots of sports happen here in Kamloops. It's the tournament capital of Canada. So oh, yeah. 
uh, always lots of the basketball and volleyball and, and in the winter, obviously hockey is, is enormous here. So yeah, lots of, lots to do, lots of outdoor stuff. If you're like a hiker or anything like that. Lots, lots that way as well. You should consider getting a career with like tourism. Like you sold, you sold, you sold Kamloops to me. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I'll look into that. <laughs> yeah. yeah get, get started, man. So let's, uh, let's get into a bit more, uh, more Canucks stuff. Trade deadline happened today. Lots happened with the Canucks. What are your thoughts on the on the trade deadline from the from the Canucks perspective? You know what? It wasn't as busy as I think a lot of us anticipated it to be. But all in all, I think it was a pretty successful deadline. Right? Like we didn't give up a ton of assets. We lost valuable ones, as we lost Madden and a second round pick. But look at what we gained. We gained Tyler Toffoli, which I personally believe we will resign. Uh, and that rounds out our, our top six and potentially top nine moving forward really nicely. And Louis Domingue, I, it sounds weird, but when they put him on waivers, that was a name that kind of stood out to me. Uh, the Canucks don't really have a third string option that's truly viable in case something happened to Markstrom. And Markstrom having the workload that he has, I was I was kind of concerned about that, and I was hoping that the Canucks would pick him up on waivers, even though I knew that there was really no way unless they personally put somebody else on waivers. But I love the swap of Zane McIntyre for Louis Domingue, and I personally love that Ian Clark handpicked him, that he was near the yes. top of his list of people that he wanted to work with. I have so much faith in Ian Clark that uh, if he's picking this guy, this is somebody that he wants to work with, I'm I'm fully on board with that. I said that earlier, but like on on my podcast before you hopped on was like if even Clark like says like this is the guy I want to work with like just just I, I trust him and just let him, let him do his thing because he obviously knows what he's yeah I knows what he's talking exactly. about yeah, exactly yeah absolutely like his his success speaks for itself he's got such a such a fantastic track record whether it be working with guys like Bobrovsky or I mean we've seen what he's done with Demko and Markstrom I have absolutely the utmost faith in Ian Clark's abilities. And if he's handpicking Louis Domingue, uh, then yeah, that's my guy too. <laughs> yeah. So what was your initial reaction when you saw the, uh, the, the, um, the trade for Louis Domingue? Did you think like, Oh man, they trade Marks Markstrom or did you like me correctly predict, Oh man, it's probably a serious injury for Markstrom. Uh, I didn't think it was a big trade. I, I thought that at most it would be, like Zane McIntyre or like a really late pick, like a seventh. I had no concern that it was going to be a big one. When Markstrom left the ice early, I immediately thought it was injury because uh, in the Boston game, he left for that period of time. I thought it was probably going to be more eye than knee, um, but I figured immediately that it was it was an injury with Markstrom and that we were looking at something more serious than we were initially led on to believe, which... Uh, well played by Benning to to kind of hide that, his cards until after the trade deadline to disclose that. So here, here's my question: Is if why why was he playing that game against Boston? If presumably like the the the, the kind of gift that's circling around is that play against uh, Minnesota when Fiala cr- crashes into Markstrom and you can see his knee, uh, knee bend back. Why was he playing that game against Boston? If if he if that knee injury was happening, that's all my that's my initial question. That's my like one of my first questions. Yeah, I agree. Like that's that to me is a big question too. And 
he said that he got hurt in the Boston game, but when you go through the Boston game, I can't think of anywhere where there was any particular impact that would would imp- like would hurt a meniscus. Um, whereas, like you said, in overtime against Minnesota, you see that uh, see that play in overtime where he gets pulled over, and like that that to me is where it happened. But with a meniscus, I was doing a little bit of research on it, and it does oh, okay. take a, like a little did bit you of internet, time. Internet doctor, did you go on the Wikipedia? Yeah. Did, did you go on the Wikipedia page like I did? Yeah, yeah, I oh, did, yeah, and I don't, classic. I don't want to go full Twitter doctor, but it does generally take a little bit to to show up, uh, whether it be just due to swelling, um, but generally a lot of people are able to to kind of continue without even knowing that there's an injury for a short period of time. So I think maybe like even if it was halfway through the Boston game or after the Boston game, uh, this started to show up and, and uh, I don't think they really knew until after the Boston game that there was an injury there because like you said, I, I don't see why they would have put Markstrom in for that game in that case. Uh, they obviously have a lot of faith in Demko moving forward, just grabbing somebody like Deming and not a bigger name. Um, but who is so the bigger I don't name out there they, they could have gone that. in for goalie, though, like even if they wanted to? Robin yeah, uh, maybe Robin Leonard or like a Corey Crawford or Ryan Miller. Oh, um, no, no, Ryan Miller. That would be like, we probably... Don't, we, don't need, we don't need Ryan Miller back. To like, <laughs> yeah, we've Miller been there, back. done that. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I like the acquisition, and I think that... Uh, they made the right move with it. And in, in the long run, it will actually be advantageous for the Canucks because they'll know what they truly have in Demko. These games are going to be really intense. They're going to ramp up. And we're going to need Demko to play right on top of his game for it. And if he's able to do that, maybe he shows his cards that he could be a number one goaltender for the Canucks moving forward. And that is critical coming into the summer with Markstrom being a free agent. Potentially that helps us either sign Markstrom at a cheaper contract or we know that we don't need to sign Markstrom now. We've got Demko in the wings and we can look at a, an option to back him up mm-hmm. at that point. See, I also see. I also looked up you know, meniscus injury on Wikipedia, but I also did a bit of research myself. And I talked to a girl I work with who actually played college basketball and she did suffer a meniscus injury. And the way she explained it to me was, if it's not that serious, like it'll take about a month to heal. But if it is super serious, it takes up to two months. So wow. I, know, I know they're saying like three to four weeks. I'm I'm prepared for like a long haul. I'm prepared literally the rest of the regular season without Jacob Markstrom. Wow, that would that would be brutal for the Canucks. But I mean, the nice part is that they they thought ahead enough to go and grab somebody like Deming with with NHL abilities and experience, so that they don't have to throw Zane McIntyre or even worse. Uh, Mike DiPietro in, in over his head at the worst possible time of the season yeah. to do so. Um, I still remember that so game against. Have, I still remember that game against San Jose. We just got lit up. Like I don't want to experience. That oh, game. yeah, I know. I felt so bad for him on that. Like he was so far out of his element, and I think he would fare much better now. But that being said, the benefit of having him in Utica for a full season, and then next season as well far away the rushing him ahead and and I think back to when Demko is in kind of his shoes and everybody was so worried about pulling him up early because you might ruin him, you might ruin him. Mm. Well, the same goes for Di Pietro in this case, right? Like you don't want to push him too far ahead. 
you don't want them to get lit up like seven goals against and against San Jose again. Uh, so I think he's right where he needs to be. He's getting valuable experience on a good Utica roster. And if he can get some playoff games there, then then that's fantastic. Yeah, it always seems like goalies take like like take like the traditional like, you know, development curve for for a player and add like times it by two essentially. That's how I feel like goalie development yeah. works. Like you just gotta take extra time for whatever reason. Yeah, it's I think it's just so much mental, right? Like I yeah. think there's so as much mental plays, aspect. As to someone it. who plays a lot of uh, ball hockey as a goalie, I can attest I think yeah? to be like, I think I can attest to the mental aspect. Absolutely, I'm well, not very good, but well, like I know, I know the mental, <laughs> I know the mental aspect of it. Fucking sucks when yeah. you're not in the goal. I can tell tell you that. Oh, it does, and it it does uh, eat at you, right? Like when you're sitting in net and you're just getting roasted for seven goals against. I don't care what level you're at, that eats at you, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you're a competitor. You don't want to sit there and be responsible for seven again. I've played gold too, and it's like nothing feels worse than than sitting there for a barn burner against. I, I was also not very good, so that happened frequently. Yeah, that, that's why that's why we're <laughs> podcasting, man. That's right. There's a reason why I'm not wearing any pads. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, what were your thoughts on Thatcher Demko like before this Jacob Markstrom injury? Were you like fully on? board the, the Demco train like Trevor Biggs was where you're saying trade Markstrom like ride with Demco or were you a bit like what were your thoughts on on Demco before this injury well admittedly I've been kind of all over the place on this at the beginning of the season I wrote an article on uh, the Markstrom dilemma and that the Canucks would be wise to trade him early uh, then he went on put this absolute MVP caliber season together and made it really difficult to kind of stand by that. Uh, but at the same time, I'm, I'm a huge, uh, huge fan and supporter of Thatcher Demko. And I truly believe that he is the goaltender moving forward. And I mean, when you look at everything, the facts haven't changed as much as Markstrom's played fantastic. He's still a 30 year old goaltender. He's still like just had a couple good years. And we don't really know what the future lies, like what future lies ahead for Jacob Markstrom. Is he going to be able to maintain the level of play for a long period of time? Is he going to decline right after he gets a mega deal, which is something that he's going to be after this summer, because this is essentially his last big hurrah for a big contract. Uh, The timing I don't like either because it's right the year before the expansion draft. And if he ends up with, like no trade clause or no move clauses in his contract, then we're exposing Thatcher Demko. And uh, like before you really know what you got, and it's it could be some mm. hot goaltender that ends up right in the right age for your core moving forward, and you lose him to your, your nearest geographical rival, that's a pretty worst-case scenario in my mind. So I'm, I'm kind of torn on it. Uh, but if the Canucks are able to get Jacob Markstrom on a reasonable term and a reasonable cap hit, then I'm all for having him stay. Like I love Jacob Markstrom and what he's been able to do in Vancouver the last couple of years. But essentially, I'm I'm a full supporter of Thatcher Demko. Okay, so I, I like this. You're kind of straddling the fence here. Very like professional journalist move. 
<laughs> yeah, there's my super wishy-washy non-answer. Yeah. It, 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 it fits your it fits your uh, Twitter pick. It's like you in a suit, nice smile. I can picture. I can. Yeah. I see. I see what the whole vibe you're going for here. There, there it is. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. So, like, it you you mentioned like the Jacob Markson's potential contract. What 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 would be the best case scenario for the Canucks? What would be the worst case scenario? Uh, I think best case scenario would be like a three max four year deal, uh, kind of around the five five and a half million aver- annual average value deal. Uh, worst case scenario is more like a five to six year, and you're looking around north of six million. Uh, I just think long term that's going to end up really biting you. And it's going to essentially, it's going to piss off Thatcher Demko, right? Like this guy's not going to want to be Markstrom's backup for the next six, seven years. Right. Yeah. And he's, especially if he shows that he's capable of taking the reins as early as now, then he's going to want to have those reins given to him and have that trust moving forward. Uh, His, his agent has had to fight for him just to get to this level even. And he's, he's good enough to be here. And Canucks have really kind of dawdled in his development and pulling him up. And if I think they postpone him being able to be number one goaltender or have the opportunity to be one, uh, that could essentially chase him out of town. Mm-hmm. So looking at the, uh, the rest of the schedule for the Canucks, what I like about their schedule is after this kind of Eastern road trip, they got a lot of games in like the Pacific time zone, like central time zone. They're not really going to have to travel that far. Like after this, mm-hmm. after this Eastern road trip, you think that how much do you think that helps them considering they have their backup now playing like starting for them for at least a ne- the next month. So up until this game against probably against like even like the golden Knights on the, on the 23rd or even later. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think it works in their benefit for sure. The Canucks have had a notoriously rough travel schedule always being the westernmost, uh, northernmost team. Uh, and so uh, they, any ease to that schedule, and I mean, they've had some pretty gnarly road trips this year already. Uh, I just think about the one where they fly from California out to the East Coast. And yeah, that was, that was stupid. Playing I don't Minnesota. know how, if you're Jim Benning, like, how the hell do you let that schedule happen? I don't know. Like, how do you look at that and think, yeah, no, that's, that's fair and doable. Like, why would any team be expected to travel coast to coast in, in like it's a couple days? It's hard enough for like a regular Joe to like go cross country <laughs> like that. And he's got, yeah, and like, but the, yeah, even though they like have, a professional yeah, yeah, like they have like a chartered team. flight and shit, but like, that's still a real <laughs> tough trip. Oh, absolutely. Oh, and I think having that, the bulk of their travel out east done now is, is helpful for them moving forward that they can kind of be on the same time zone or pretty near to, and they don't have the, the long flights that they've had already this season. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to have Deming in the fact that if there is like back-to-backs that need to be covered or uh, any sort of back-to-back road games to be covered, then, then he can step in, and I have full faith that yeah. he can they have one get the job done as well. against the Coyotes and Avalanche, like the 12th and 13th of March. Yeah, so in that case, I'm probably giving like Demko the Coyotes oh, game because yeah, that's a divisional rival, and then giving uh, Deming the Avalanche game because it's a central division opponent. So uh, in that case, like I think that 
that just gives the Canucks some options moving forward. And uh, the travel schedule being lighter is a, is a huge advantage at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, sorry, looping back a bit to Tyler DeFoley, I know you're a, a big fan of the trade. How do you feel his mm-hmm. game has translated so far on that on that top line? Because I thought he was coming to play on that second line with Bo Horvat, and then we find out. Like, I, credit to Jim Benning. He's done a really good job of keeping like a tight chip and not leaking any of this injury information. Because every time, like every time there's a trade or like you know a big a big moment, Jim Benning like pops out and says, "Oh, we got a big injury." Yeah, I, I've actually been really impressed with that. Um, the not breaking the Brock Besser news until after the Defoli trade was huge. Yeah, that's some shrewd because I think. Oh yeah, like LA could have taken them to the cleaners. And looking at some of the con- the deals that were made today, like thank God that <laughs> we got off lucky in my mind. So, like uh, I I really like the Tapoli fit. I I too thought that he was going to be paired with uh, the Bo Horvat line, and I was really excited for that because essentially it's like Bo in the that seventies line, right? Oh, yeah. Um, but with that being said, I think he's a really good complement to the Pedersen line, and dare I say, potentially even better so than, than Besser was uh, early on here, at least. Uh, just because he's such a good puck retrieval uh, player on the boards, he's got that, that gritty edge that, that Miller plays with as well. And he's, he's great at finding these soft spots. As we saw last game, he would find these spots right in the slot, um, lots of time and uh, space to be able to get that shot off. Uh, I love Besser's game, and I think that he would do really well to play with with uh, Bo Horvat and Tanner Pearson moving forward. They've had chemistry in the past. Um, either way, the Canucks have lots of options now with that top six to be able to move things around and test things out if things go stale. Mm-hmm. Where where does Brock Besser uh, fit back on the in the lineup when he comes back? You think he slots back on that first line, or is he like second line, third line? Where do you see him? If Tafoli continues the pace that he's at, I think Bo Horvath, or he's gone Bo Horvath's line. I think Brock Besser slots in on the second line and starts there. Uh, like he was, he was pretty cold when he got injured, and uh, that's there's that happens, right? It's like Brock Besser's a, a fairly streaky goal scorer, just like anybody is. Uh, he's got great points per game pace. Uh, he was on pace to to have his career season points wise this season. Uh, but essentially, he was like he was really cold going into uh, the injury there. So, if Toffoli can continue his hot pace here and and show some instant chemistry with Pedersen and Miller, like he has, uh, I think it'd be pretty hard pressed to take him off that line. Are you concerned at all about like Besser's like injury history? Because every year he seems to be out for a significant amount of time with injury, and I can see why Jim Benning only gave him a three year deal and thinking, hey, if this guy can't stay healthy like why do you want to keep him around and pay him the big bucks to be a part of our core that yeah that is a pretty big concern and i know it's different injuries each time but the fact that it is like those injuries do take a toll right and and it doesn't help that it's it back to be injury and then season. there's a rib injury and yeah he's been it's, you're right. and, yeah, it's been different yeah. place every time so it's not like one chronic place he just seems like he seems like a band-aid at this point yeah, which, which is good because you, then you know that you're not dealing with a reoccurring issue. Um, but at the same time, the, it's like, what is it? Why is it that he continues to get hurt, right? Is it 
style of play? Is it the positions that he puts himself in? Uh, like, what is it that needs to be done to to make sure that Brock Besser stays healthy? And I think uh, Jim Benning was pretty smart to give him a kind of a bridge deal just to kind of see if he's able to have his body hold up. And if he is, then, then that's great. Maybe we can revisit what he's worth at that point. Uh, but three years at, at the cap hit that he's got him at, I believe it's like 5.86, yeah, somewhere around there. Uh, then that's, I think that's a pretty fair value for a guy that's a great player when he's in the lineup, but you're never going to get a full season out of him. Okay, let's uh, let's move on. Let's talk a bit about your podcast, Area Fifty One Hockey Podcast. Uh, just mm-hmm. how how did you decide to start the podcast? Like, what was your big what was your big inspiration to start it? Uh, Pedersen was the big inspiration. So the the alien nickname, uh, and then I I liked the idea of the Area Fifty One name, not for the the spot where you shoot, but actually for the arena itself. I thought that it would be really cool. I was I was actually debating calling it Arena 51, but oh, okay. I thought that... What uh, about Area 40? Area 40? Yeah, I like it. I like Area 40. Okay. I I thought that it would be... I wanted to kind of get if all you're gonna, the... If you're going to change your name to that, I want royalties. Just if... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. I, I know. I, I, I like it, but uh, the problem that I was having was I wanted it to be really easily associated and not go too far... Um, away from the, the basic idea that I had. So if, if you called it, say, for example, you called it Area 40, well, now it's kind of a two-step explanation process. Like, you're, okay, you've 40 come on my for podcast, Pedersen, you're he's shitting the alien. on my ideas. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, you know how I do. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, the arena one, I, I had to throw that one away because uh, I, I had that doesn't make any too sense. many people I had to explain I mean, it I to. I think Area so. 40 makes more way more sense than Arena 40. I agree. Yeah, come on, man. Yeah, I think every I I I'd say area forty is, is uh, second, second place. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take a yeah, close second. Yeah, it's it's there. I'll take a yeah, close second. Yeah, it's there. So yeah, uh, what, but what, uh, that was the the main uh, inspiration there. Okay, cool. So you know, I'm a big fan of like your of your podcast. I do enjoy listening to it every week. Uh, I was disappointed when I heard the uh, the sad interview didn't work out. Like, what 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 happened, man? Like, I was looking forward yeah. to. it. Oh, that that crushed me. I honestly, after seven hours of editing, trying to make it work. Seven hours, like how? Uh, like what? What? The, what? What exactly uh, happened? Well, for whatever reason, so when we in, we did a mic test before we started, everything sounded great, and I was like, okay, perfect, we're good to go. And we start, and all of a sudden, uh, the quality coming through the phone was mm. not there. Um because I've kind of got a ghetto set up where I've got a mic and I've got my phone on speakerphone at the mic. Oh, okay. Um, and so that, that seems to be fine. You gotta come record at the post up studios. I've got, we've got like a board with Bluetooth. That's, that's oh, hot. Dude, yeah. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah maybe, maybe, maybe you like should that. drive down from uh, Kamloops to Burnaby and record the podcast. Every week. Every week. Yeah. Just yeah. Make it, yeah. Hey, <laughs> we have a couch here. You can, you can crash. Hey, there you go. Night. Yeah. Is that a comfy couch at least? Uh, I mean, you'll probably need a pillow, a blanket, uh, like probably a sleeping to, like, bag. Vacuum the crumbs out of it. Well, first. there's some there's some other crumbs in there. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you if you bring like a, yeah if you bring like a sleeping bag and pillow, you probably should be fine. I mean, 
me and Kyle can, yeah, you know, can lock you can lock you up on night. Yeah. We'll make sure yeah, people make sleep sure on through with a sleeping bag. I'm good at that yeah. point. Yeah, no, it, it, yeah. you should come. You should come. But yeah, is it, sorry. We're going to plan this out now. Yeah, how long does it take to drive down from the, the Kamloops from the lower mainland? What's that? Uh, pending traffic, I would say it's about probably three hours. Okay. Can you make it yeah, two and a half around there. Like you really rip it? Yeah, like I'd have to be flying. Yeah. Okay. If I, okay. So, so it'd we'll be say like if traffic's hours. bad, probably more like four. Yeah. So we'll say two <laughs> yeah. and a half hours. Yeah. 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 We'll talk about it. I mean, honestly, it'd be less time than I put into it yesterday and I didn't even get a podcast out of it. So. Yeah, exactly. Think of it as a time saver. <laughs> yeah. I'd cut two hours off my editing time. So I wanna, yeah. yeah, that was tough. I want to share I, with you. It was my, a great interview. I want to share. So. I want to share with you my story of my of my experience with Satchel because I think he's an absolute great guy. He came on my podcast oh, that gets like an average of 100 downloads an episode. Didn't have to do it, but he still agreed. And this guy, this was the equivalent of like the, this is the Vancouver Canucks podcast equivalent of like Michael Jordan's flu game. This guy was like hacking. You don't really hear it in the interview. But this guy was legit like having to like go away from his phone and just like cough his lungs up. He comes oh, on. He still does the interview, and two days later, I found out he had to, he had to, you had to take a sick day from Sports at Six Fifty. My podcast literally cost him a paycheck. Oh wow! Yeah, and I thought, and I thought MVP hey, move. Yeah, hundred oh, percent. And I was like, hmm, maybe I should try and comp him for like the day miss. And I realized I don't have that kind of money, so I'm just gonna offer him. <laughs> uh, I'm just gonna offer him some uh, some free drinks at our uh, Game Eighty Two tailgate, which, by the way, you are welcome to attend. Gaming A2 tailgate out at the uh, probably at the Beaumont Studios in the Lower Mainland. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, you're you're you can you're invited. Uh, what would you like to bring? What are you bringing for food? Because I'm, I'm bringing the Italian sausage and peppers. Uh, hey, Kyle Bounds. Kyle Bounds bringing like a uh, some butter chicken. Trevor Beggs is bringing like the unseasoned dry chicken breast. Uh, Sat Shaw is confirmed. He's being the responsible. No, he's bringing. What is Sat bringing? Man, I think he's just bringing. I think he's bringing. No, he's bring. He's being the responsible one and bringing fruit and veggies. And then we have Israel Fair oh, bringing chips. That. What do What do you want to bring? Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I would. I'd probably be. Oh man, see, butter chicken's like my. That's my jam right there. Okay, so well, it's I, already taken, I, man. So that's taken. So, ooh, you know what? I'd probably bring like pierogies or something. Just oh, change pierogies. it up. Bring okay. some new. Yeah, bring something new. It would complement your Italian sausage pretty good. Well, we can have a nice, you, like, know? you know, United Nations potluck, like kind of food of the world. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you, are you, do you like to boil your pierogies or fry them? Ooh, I, I personally, I like to boil them, but okay. I do like that fried crisp. On I, them no, too. That's, that's all I'm, I'm all about that fried crisp. Yeah, what, what's your yeah. side? Like sour cream? Like what do you, what do you, what do you eat your pierogies with? Uh, I like it with sausage myself. Yeah, oh, okay. that's, that's nice. my yeah, pierogies and sausage. Hell, I think just and it doesn't matter. It could food. be Italian. Yeah. Oh no, you got to do, got to do sausage with it too. Like, um, if you do, I like the hot sausage with it. Like, I know that it's typically like a kibasa sausage, but uh, See, I'm hot very Italian white sausage. And I can't handle. Really I can't handle spice, so I'm gonna probably just go with a mild. Oh. Okay, then kubasa is probably good for you then. Mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. very white too, but I I like really hot food. Yeah, so. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely not. I'm, we're definitely not the same in that regard. No, yeah. So, sorry. One 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 more question about the Canucks. 
Uh, Troy yeah. Stetcher was in the news a lot this week. Like a lot of him, like with Tyson yeah. Berry. Were you were you happy, sad, pissed off? Tyson Berry was in the Vancouver Canucks. Did you see a fit there? Uh, I'm kind of torn on that. I I did like the idea of having a second offensive defenseman, but I was more concerned about the defensive liability that he brought. So, like, that was one of the things that I talked to Sad about yesterday and fortunately didn't get to air it, but uh, Stetch, like, at the time, pretty hot rumor of Stetcher plus going to Toronto for Barry. And to me, Stetcher is a much better defensive defenseman, and his stats would show that as well. Mm-hmm. But the offensive upside of Barry is, is significantly higher. The problem with Barry on the Canucks is that the power play one spot is effectively taken. Right, like Quinn Hughes has been everything and more that the Canucks could ever want. He's not a defensive liability. You could use him in all situations, and he's a fantastic power play one quarterback. So, to bring Barry in, he his opportunities would be power play two and limited roles, like no penalty killing. Uh, he'd be used on like five on five, but with a partner that can like Edler, for example, they could cover up his mistakes. At that point, are you really getting any better? And I think if it was going to cost assets, I would I'm prefer that they walked away from that. Uh, in the summer, if they're able to get him on, on like a discount because he wants to be here, then that's totally fine by me. But at that point, I, like I would take Barry over Myers probably. Well, you're not but, getting out of that Myers contract at this point. Unfortunately. Exactly. And that's, that's the hard part is as much as I probably wouldn't do uh, Barry over Stetcher, I would do Barry over Myers, but that's not the option. Given, so, yeah. So you mentioned that sad interview. Would you like to ask me any questions that you were going to ask that? And I can, you know, fill in a sat and we can record like a fake interview with sat right now. I can pretend, oh, to, I can pretend to be sad. Just ask me a question. I'll pretend to be sad. That's, that's pretty good. I, I asked him about the the Barry the Barry rumors, and I I pitched him this idea, and I'll pitch pitch it to you as well. And yeah. I know the cost would be high, but in a perfect world, what would be your your demand, right? That you think that would complement the Canucks well right now? I've got a name myself in mind, but like obviously guys like Dumba and Dean were in the rumor mill. Uh, Barry, of course. Uh, is there a guy in your mind that would just kind of jump out as the, the solution to the Canucks top four. Yeah, I do. You know who I like? Josh Manson from the Anaheim Ducks. Yeah. Thank that, you. Yes. That's my name. Yeah. That's my guy. He's tough. He's pretty yeah. good as well. Like on, on the puck, he can give you some offense. He can give you, like, hey, people are always talking about the Vancouver Canucks and toughness. Why not get a guy like yeah. Manson? Can I, the, the, duck, the Ducks are rebuilding. You can probably get him. 100%. Okay. That, that was the name that I pitched out there too. Uh, he liked the idea. He said that he's probably actually the perfect fit, but he was worried about cost, obviously, because Ducks probably want like a prospect first. The Canucks don't even have a first, uh, something like that. But if you were able to make it happen, and I'm optimistic that the Canucks could try to, you know, kind of dangle something out in the summer and try to try to get them to bite on it. Josh Manson. His cap hit, his term, everything is pluses all across the board. He's tough. Like, that's the guy that I think the Canucks wanted Good Branson to be. That's the guy that 
the Canucks had been wanting Nana the bit for, for years. And he's sitting right there on a team that's going through a massive rebuild. So the opportunity's there. And I hope, I hope that somehow, in some way that it could happen, that's a guy that I'd be willing to pay out for. Okay, how, how was my sad impression on a scale of 1 to 10? Oh, it's pretty good. Uh, you know what? I'm going to give it a nine. So. I love that. I love. Actually, yeah, honestly, I should honestly start a business. I just impersonate Sam <laughs> and go on other Canucks podcasts. Yeah, Nick Shaw. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Nick Shaw. Yeah, I can be like his fan when he's like, "Oh, I'm too tired. I don't want to do this podcast." Sat. I'll I, yeah. if you're listening, I'll slide right in for you. Maybe, there you go. Maybe I'll, I can be. Maybe I'll be next like, time. Hey, he, the audio sucks. There you yeah. go. <laughs> Maybe next time he has to take a sick day for sports at 650, I'll just fill in for him. Nick Shaw. There you go. Nobody would even notice. No, yeah. I've, I've, the impression I've, is yeah, that good. My, yeah, my, my knowledge is second to none. Come on. Yeah. Second only to the man, the legend himself, Sat Shaw, but nobody would notice. Yeah, exactly, man. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so you are on the Canucks Twitter bracket. Who are you facing? Uh, first round, I'm facing Omar, which... I'm a huge underdog in that, no, in that one. I, th- I think it's closer uh, than you think. Yeah? You I think, think so? so? I think so. If I'm putting, if I'm handicapping this matchup, I'm putting Omar at maybe like a, he's a five-point favorite, if that. Like, I think it's close. I think you've, you've definitely, okay. look, I'm look, I'm looking at the numbers right now. You've got 1,028 yeah. followers. This Omar guy. Yeah. Who does he write for? Oh, he writes for uh, Daily, Daily Hive. Hive. Okay, he's got a bit more yeah. 1,000. I'm looking. He's got, yeah, he's got about 4K, okay. I think. <laughs> okay. For, yeah, let's, okay. First of all, his Twitter profile is, I don't know, I guess it's supposed to be Ike from South Park in the Canucks jersey. You, on the other right. hand, you have a nice picture of yourself in a suit, smiling, you got a good head of hair. You're looking, looking yeah, dapper. You're you looking like you could be writing for The Athletic or, you know, ESPN or TSN. You got a very, well, profe- maybe one day. You've got, you got a professional vibe. I don't. I don't like this. I don't like this. Omar, I don't like this. Omar's like Twitter presence. And if this is what it's on, <laughs> I'm putting. I'm. I'm. I would. I would put money on you. You may be a slight underdog, but I. But I like you going through. Hey, if if I'm got the underdog, then maybe maybe you end up making bank if you put some money on me. Yeah, on that like one. I'm. I'm willing to be the sports book that sets up the odds for next <laughs> yeah. Twitter bracket. Yeah, try and make some money on the yeah. side here. I, I know. I, when I, I first looked at it, I was like, Omar, that sounds familiar, but it's not ringing a bell. Maybe I got this. And then I clicked on his profile and I was like, oh, Frig, it's this guy. I forgot. <laughs> He's got this one for sure. <laughs> I, don't don't I like, sell yourself short. I think, you, I think you got a very good chance. Now, Trevor Beggs, on the other hand, he's going to get up against Patrick Johnston. Like, that's... I think, oh, that's, I, a, I, that's I, a lost cause. No, yeah, that, I think Trevor might Poor lose Trevor. like 95% to 5% in the voting. <laughs> It's a, yeah, ever, yeah. ever since, ever and I since, like Trevor. I like Trevor. Yeah, that no, was such a, a, a tough matchup. Bagsy's a great guy, and like he had a very small chance before. But ever since Patrick Johnson broke the news that Markstrom's out for the season, became all of a sudden he became a fucking Canucks insider. I don't know how this happened. Like he's done. Right? He's yeah. done. He, Trevor Bags has no it's chance. Hard to beat Banana Phone. No, hard to yeah. beat Banana Phone. And like I remember, I had yeah. Justin Morrison on my last episode, and I asked him like, "Is there any dirt that we could use on Patrick Johnson to try and like?" I don't know, really blackmail him or anything <laughs> like that. And he's just like, no. He's like a part, he's like a referee. He plays it right down the middle. He's squeaky clean. Like that's not what I wanted oh, to man. hear. Yeah. Yeah, you needed some some dirt, some I mean, yeah. some the, shady stuff that happened in the background the that best thing, the needed be- to be exposed. The best thing I could have come up with could come up with was Trevor Beggs 
future children are going to starve if you don't vote for him. And his future children <laughs> will beat up Patrick Johnson's for your future children. That's right. Absolutely. But then I found out Patrick I, I could, Johnson put has, money on that. But then I found out Patrick Johnson actually has kids. So he, oh, he actually does have kids. So he's already got a good he, head start yeah, already. But Trevor Banks' kids are only <laughs> theoretical. That was a big issue I yeah. ran into. So, Hard to beat up when there's a big age gap like that, too. Yeah. Well, okay, look, like Trevor grew up grew up in the mean streets of Surrey. I'm sure his kids are gonna, you know, inherit that fighting spirit. Oh, that's true. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, man. Yeah. There's, there's potential there. I yeah, it's still like 95 percent the fight. You like, I would put like Patrick Johnson at like an 80 point favorite. Like, it's gonna be, it's not gonna be close. But we at the no. Nexus Conduct Network, we're gonna we're gonna fight tooth and nail. I'm honestly convinced that Patrick Johnson started breaking this news. Because he heard, you know, the next misconduct, Trevor Biggs' footsteps in the back. Like he saw, he saw the, That's true. He, he saw the footsteps. He, you heard him. Yeah. And then he's like, looking oh, shit. over his shoulder. Yeah. He's like, oh shit, I gotta yeah. start breaking some news. Like this guy, these guys are gonna come after me. <laughs> Pull it out some Bob McKenzie, just, just to be able to stay yeah. ahead. Yeah. But maybe he was he was probably sitting on this stuff all times. Like I've got it, I've got it under control. Like I don't I don't need to use it. And then oh shit, I might lose the matchup. Yeah, that was his mistake riding in cruise control. Oh man! Yeah, so can't ride in cruise control. You got to go full campaign. The only way to do it, as you can tell, me and especially Kyle Bound, who did not make this Twitter bracket list, are very obsessed with it. Uh, Yeah, robbed. We we uh, no, we were were not robbed. We have zero Twitter clout. Like we we know we know (laughs) we know our place. But uh, what I've noticed on Canucks Twitter. Like a good way to start getting clout is just starting random beefs with people. So can we? Absolutely. Yeah. So can me and Kyle, especially. I think Trevor has enough clout that he's fine on his own. We don't need to drag him into the mud. Can me and can me and Kyle start a uh, a Twitter beef with you in order to get our clout up? Oh, we can do that. Yeah. 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 Your podcast. I've got a lot of burners though. Like I've I've found out that I've got a lot of burners, and uh, I had a Twitter beef a little bit ago. And uh, I don't even really know where this came from, but the guy said that I think it was Malcolm was my was my burner account, and then it, and then all of a sudden I came back on Twitter like half an hour later, and there was I think like thirty accounts all with my face and name, and everybody was me all of a sudden for a bit. So that was <laughs> an yeah. interesting way to come so back you, to so Twitter. So you essentially have like a, a, a sleeper cell of of accounts you can use to mobilize against Omar. See, this is why you're going to win. That's that's right. That's my tactic. And I told them each because there's a couple of them that are in the brackets themselves. I said, if you win, I win because we're one. All of us are just just extensions of me. And so then if you win, I, I've essentially got four horses in the race here. Yeah, you've my got, you have an good. army of Sean's out there willing willing to do yeah. your bidding. That's a very powerful thing that wield. He's irresponsible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Your, uh, Sean, your podcast fucking sucks. <laughs> come at me come at tweet at me, tweet at me. Your, po- your podcast fucking man, sucks man that's that's harsh to hear because you know what i'm here on this this podcast <laughs> it's supposed to be a canucks podcast and i think i've spent most time talking about sausage <laughs> <laughs> this is what you get with power we, we do not claim to be strictly strictly canucks talk 24 7 365 that's true there is a there is a strictly canucks talk podcast and this yeah. isn't it this is def- This is the exact yeah. opposite of a strictly Connect Talk podcast. Yeah, you know what the towel represents, right? Uh, it's, it's, you, know, you know what? Explain it to me. I don't think I know. 
Okay. Well, it's a, it's a mercy, like a, like a, a forfeit, a surrender. So essentially our beef has started and immediately ended with the power of the towel being exactly what it is. A yeah, mercy just, me, just me waving, just me, just me throwing in the towel at every opportunity. No, that's just, that that's right. Just, yeah. that, no, that is just the name. That is just the name. The power of the towel has, look, think about all the, think of why did the Canucks keep on using the towel during the playoffs? It's because it's a rallying cry. It gets people going. And that's what power of the towel does. It gets people going. That's true, but we, I mean, as much as I'm a Canucks fan, it hasn't brought any, brought any Stanley Cups our way, unfortunately. Okay, well, that's not that's not the responsibility of the podcast. That's <laughs> that's their problem. We we deal so with our house. They get, they they they, they got to deal with theirs. <laughs> yeah, you can only do so much. Okay, so see now we've we've got a good beef going now. Now we just have to transfer this on. That we just have to transfer this online, and I think we got something going. Yeah, I already know what I'm going to do. You're, it's, it's, going, it's, it's on. on. Oh, it's on. Yeah, I'm gonna, yeah I'm gonna, it's I, on. It's I, good. I, I'm getting Kyle to tweet at you, too. You better watch out. Yeah. Whew. Yeah, get Kyle, get get Bagsy in there. Yeah. No, like we, I said, I think it's gonna, it's Bagsy's, Bagsy's too nice of a guy, I think, to get in the mud. He just, like I said, uh, he, did, he doesn't he doesn't need the clout. Me and Kyle do. Bagsy can contend for himself. Yeah, well, that's that's fair. That's fair. Right. One, yeah, hey, one, I'll I'll try to fight for all the cloud I can get here. No, well, I think I think what I've what I've tend to realize is cloud is almost a finite resource on Canucks Twitter. I'm gonna have to take some yeah. from a little bits of ch- what my plan is from all the 64 people takes little bits and chunks of their cloud without them even noticing, and then I have enough cloud and I can start building my own. Now I understand the invite. That's why I got brought on here. Yeah, did you not? Yeah, the cloud, cloud tour, chasing. The, yeah. the cloud tour twenty twenty. <laughs> that's what it was all about. Like, hey, like we like it's uh, the, the uh, it was it was the uh, North American Lake. We're taking a bit of a break, you know, a bit of debauchery on the road. I'm trying to you know hang out with my family, yeah. you know, get get connected, and then we're gonna go on the European yeah. Lake. Oh, that's that's yeah. pretty good. And you're and you are invited. I, I mean, I can't really see a whole lot of flaws in this. It's pretty good. Yeah, this clout chase, the clout tour. This is what it's all about, man. Oh man, do you have any more seats on the bus? Um, I'll jump in on this. This sounds okay. fun. Uh, we'll, we will find room for you. All right, sounds cool. good. One and one last question: What's your your yeah. uh, your Twitter handle? Is Sean Ye West? First of all, how did you come up with that, and why did you choose that? Because it does not. Ma- I feel it does not match. Your 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 image of you smiling in a suit. No, it does not, and I, I think that's the best part about it. Um, you know what? This is this is kind of funny, but my name fits in a lot of names, right? Like I, I've used a lot of really funny usernames with uh, different puns involving my name. Uh, there's some that are too offensive for me to use, like, like what? Uh, Osama bin Laden, for example. <laughs> Uh, which is one of my favorites. Uh, <laughs> I've been reported a lot with that one. Uh, so I went with Sean U. West. He's still uh, angsty enough that uh, and funny enough that people will get the reference and uh, and maybe not report my account. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine you trying to do like a serious Canucks podcast. You have a nice picture of you in the suit, like you know, nice, nice, wholesome person, someone you know you can take home to the family, and it's like Osh- Osana yeah. bin Laden. Like follow him at yeah. no, I'm not saying that. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's essentially where that one, uh, that idea died. Um, 
but uh, I had an old Twitter account before. Uh, I, I don't know if it's still kicking around somewhere, but it was just at Sean Warren two three four. And because I personally had taken that for myself, I couldn't use it again. And so I had to get creative and use something different. Oh, okay. Is so it, there we go. I'm, I'm, trying to look, I'm, tr- I'm trying to find it right now. Uh, it doesn't okay. Look, doesn't look like it still exists, but people have till at December 17th, 2012, at Sean Warren 234, at Blue Jays back to back to back World Series champs. Or is that asking a little too much? Does this ring a, does this ring a bell at all? Hmm. No, I don't know. Ryan, I'm, I'm, Ryan Leffers tweeted this at you. Yeah, just, just thought you wanted. Oh, to know. see, I know that person. I okay, but you don't know. So the I grew up in, in a tiny. I grew up in Houston. If, if you've ever heard of yeah, that yeah, horrible no, Houston, tiny little DC, place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay, <laughs> no, I've heard, of the, heard of that. I've heard of the town. I don't know where it is. Oh, okay, fair enough. You've heard of Smithers? I've heard of Smithers. Yeah, it's for damn Hammy. Okay, so. Yeah, yeah. So thirty or about forty-five minutes east of Smithers, you'll you'll find Houston, and that's well, I'm where lo- I'm looking this up right now. Houston. Okay, but uh, yeah, I went to school with. Okay, cool. With Ryan Lefferts there, so that that wow, that's probably a really old account. Then. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's because uh, I unfortunately I'm a lot older than I look. Um. Ooh, how do I explain Burns Lake? There's a curve in the road. Um, oh, nice! Is that, so is that you'll a big be deal? you'll be on the highway, and it'll just curve, and then there's a home hardware there. Okay, I that's, see. That's I see. There's much a subway. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Bear Mountain Coffee House. This place any good? Which place? It's called. Oh, sorry, Boar Mountain Coffee House. Oh, that must be new. Oh, I, okay. I haven't. You haven't been, been, you've been there. Uh, good no. old Burns Lake in a while. <laughs> no, it's been uh, a long time. Yeah. I think I haven't even been to Houston since. Ooh, it's probably been eight years now, actually, since I've been there. Okay. Yeah. Probably yeah. Yeah. Fair, yeah fair enough. Fair enough. I, I can't imagine. Is there? Be honest. Like, is there much to do in Houston? <laughs> no. Yeah. Okay. That's <laughs> there is a swimming I, pool. I, I needed. I needed <laughs> I, like a native of Houston to say it. I didn't want to. I didn't want to say it myself. Oh no! There's like I think twenty five hundred people or three thousand people there, and uh, everybody knows everybody. And the main activity is just getting in everybody's business. So, I mean, classic small town, right? Okay, that sounds like my type of place. Actually, maybe I should move there. <laughs> it, it can be pretty fun. Yeah. yeah. Once I once I start getting this uh, next misconduct SB Nation podcast money, maybe I'll uh, set up shop there. Yeah, there you go. That's. That's a pretty incognito spot to set up too. You yeah, know, nobody would really see be, that spot be, coming. It'd be hard to get guests, but I'm sure we could we could work around that. Oh yeah, absolutely. I don't know if Short anyone, drive to Burn would be that's like only that's, what twelve hour drive. Yeah. Well, hey, ten, ten if you really floor it. <laughs> yeah, the, exactly. That, yeah, I'm sure people. Coca Hall is one twenty. You're good. Yeah, I'm sure you'd make people would make that trek, especially if the podcast pops off. Oh, which it would, obviously. No, one hundred percent. All right, thank you, thank you so much for doing this, Sean, and uh, we'll definitely uh, we'll definitely have you back on again. Sounds great, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Awesome. This was fun. Yeah. All right, thanks to Sean Warren for hopping on the podcast. Much appreciated. Very much appreciated. Now let's get to our recurring segments. First up is car flag or panic button. This is bad. This is very Chicken very bad. bad. This is. 
This is a segment where we talk about the Canucks' playoff chances through the eyes of a fan who's either reaching for that panic button or for that car flag. We all know it. Canuck, when the Canucks are in the playoffs, weather's nice. I'm just trying to paint a, a mental picture for you right now. Weather's nice. It's mid-April. Days are getting longer. It's getting warmer. And you see a car flag. You see a nice car flag on the side of... doesn't even matter what car. It could be a minivan, a nice Benz. You see that car flag on the side perched up with a window. Then you know it's playoff time. Now the panic button, we all know very, very well. And hey, today was big time panic button talk. I was ready to push that panic button. Markstrom out for a month, maybe two. Oh come on, like that's that's big. That's that's the definition of pushing that panic button. But then you know, I I I, I thought about it a bit more. I saw that the Athletic is projecting them at an eighty three percent playoff, eighty three percent to make the playoffs, more than four to five, and they have. 41% chance to make it to the second round. That's better than Oilers. That's better than the Leafs. That's better than the Islanders who gave up a lot to get Pajot today. So last time I said 50-50, it, it sounds crazy because I just talked about the Barstrom injury, but I'm leaving it at the same. I'm leaving it at 50-50. Just because, I don't know, I have a good feeling that Thatcher Demko is not going to absolutely, you know, shit the bed during the stretch where he has to be the starter. I think he's going to do fine. Look, the Canucks are in a position where as long as he plays 500 hockey, that's that's the minimum, is 500 hockey. If he goes 500, then the Canucks should be in the playoffs. Where they'll finish, I don't know. But right now, the projected 94 points, that's about where they need to be in order to be a playoff team. That's traditionally, if you look at the last few seasons, Around 94, 94 is like the absolute cutoff to be a playoff team. So as crazy it is to say, honestly, I'm still at 50-50. I know where both of them are. I know where both the panic button and the car flag are in my garage. I know where they are, but I'm just, I'm just leaving them be. I haven't taken one out. I haven't rummaged through to find them, but I know where they are, if that makes sense. Our next segment the longest recurring segment on the show, it's Way to Go, Jimmy. Go ahead of them. All right, Way to Go, Jimmy, where we chronicle the times of one Jim Matheson. For the Edmonton Journal. Now, it was a big day for Jim because I think he's talked he's talked about previously the Oilers try to trade for a guy like Athanasio. It's not the same amount of shilling as him for Keith Gretzky. But I do as a as someone who is a chronicler and a stand a self-admitted stan of Jim Matheson, he's been talking about he's been talking about Athanasio for a while. But this is the one I like. This is from yesterday. 
This is why I love Jim Matheson. This is his, this is his tweet. With all this tight cap room to add players with good contracts, obviously somebody would have to be going out in deals. Uh, you think? This is, the most, this is why I love Jim Matheson because he tweets out like the most obvious shit. Like, yeah, no shit. That's like more than sixty percent of the NHL has to like send somebody out if they want to take in a contract at this point, man. Especially the Oilers. The Oilers are in a very a similar situation to the Canucks where. They're pretty, they're pretty tight against the cap, and they got to cr- get creative. Man, Chris Russell at $4 million. I'm just looking through the cap-friendly page right now, man. Chris Russell at $4 million? They have 520000 in cap space? Man, this is, sorry. Let's just look through some of these deals. Athens was a uh, RFA after this year. That should be interesting. Oh, the Miko Koskinen deal is the one that killed him. Man, that was like Chiarelli's like, how do you let that deal go through? If you're the Edmonton Oilers, Chirillo's like last move was to sign Koskinen, who's not even the starter. I'm pretty sure Mike Smith's a starter. Sorry, I don't watch the Oilers a ton unless they're on national TV. But yeah, I would say Mike Smith's a starter. He's got fucking 34 starts. Oh, sorry, no. Koskinen, what am I saying? Koskinen's played a lot more than I thought. He's played, they, they essentially split it. Man, yeah. Miko Koskinen has a modified no trade clause, three years, four and a half. Should be interesting to see what they have. They have James Neal. Remember James Neal, how he was tearing it up? Man, such a, he was ripping it up, and it's such a shame he had to he had to go, go, go down injured. Sorry, enough of this Oilers talk, man. man. Jim Matheson with a very obvious tweet with a contract having to go out, and that's why I love Jim Matheson, man. That's why he's the best. Anyways, that's uh, this week's episode of Power of the Towel. I am your host, Nick Bondi. Subscribe to the Next Misconduct Network. Not only do you get this show, you get the quickie hosted by Trevor Beggs, a daily hockey show. You get Silky and Filthy, Puck Talk and Bullshit, hosted by both Trevor Beggs and Kyle Bowen. And you have Kyle Bowen's show, Sip It on a 40, a recap after every single Canucks game. There'll be one out tonight after the game against the Montreal Canadiens. Will Thatcher Demko stand on his head? Will the Canucks pull out a win? A lot of interesting questions for this team heading down the uh, the old stretch run. Once again, I'm your host, Nick Bondi. Follow me on Twitter, at Nick Bondi. Follow the account for the podcast, at Power of the Towel. Thank you for listening. Power.